Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is the Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Hello and welcome to you all. This is the Andrew Lawton Show, kicking off a brand new week on Monday, March 6th, a rare Monday edition of the program for reasons that will become abundantly clear in just a couple of moments' time. Actually, we'll make them abundantly clear right now. On Friday, I sat down and it was a rather hastily assembled ordeal, but with conservative leader Pierre Polyev, he was swinging through my neck of the woods. I live in London, Ontario, and he was doing a campaign stop there. And I think it was on Thursday when I realized this. So I was uh, chatting back and forth with his office very briefly and said, I'd like to do a sit down interview. And they happily indulged. So uh, we sat down on Friday and there's already been a, a bit of news emanating from that interview. Pierre Polyev has had some very harsh words for Justin Trudeau on the China file and specifically on what to date has been Justin Trudeau's refusal to call a public inquiry into China's meddling in Canada's elections. And I should just preface this by saying, we talked about a bunch of things in the interview. We talk about China, we talk about housing and the brokenness of Canada, which have been pretty key themes in Pierre Polyev's leadership. We also, yes, do talk very briefly near the end about Christine Anderson. Unfortunately, it was a 10 minute interview and you can only squeeze so much in there. And I think I was already like pushing past uh, the boundaries there. But the thing that I, I wanted to just note on this for context is that Justin Trudeau is doing a press conference conference, I believe at 5.15 p.m. Eastern time, so in just over an hour, and he may possibly be announcing a public inquiry into China right there, although I find that to be a little bit unlikely given his comments on Friday. That's my my suspicion, but he has to find something that squares his previous slapdown with whatever he's going to do, because right now the problem is not going away. And this is not just one of these things where the conservatives, as His Majesty's loyal opposition, keep opposing and they keep trying to raise a stink about it and no one really cares. This is something that has legs, that is galvanizing people across the political spectrum. There are you know, well-meaning liberals in parts of the country all over the place that are not happy with how the government is handling the China file. The NDP, as Anthony Fury and I were talking about on the uh, Daily Brief this morning, even the NDP is for the first time ever starting to talk about maybe wavering, maybe just a little bit, just, you know, entertaining the idea of wavering on that deal to keep the Liberals in power if they do not call a public inquiry. So I think Justin Trudeau has to be feeling a bit of a pinch on this. And I think that there is, as a result, the possibility for movement. We don't often see self-awareness from this government. We don't often see capitulations or appeasement from this government. But this is just not going away. And if you look at the, the liberal commentariat, people like Gerald Butts, liberal columnists, liberal commentators, liberal members of parliament, what's astonishing... Although maybe not all that surprising, not astonishing, I'll say uh, annoying and infuriating, is how hell-bent they are on this idea that there is nothing to see here, that we are not supposed to be looking at this, don't pay any attention, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, uh, even if it is Xi Jinping, and even if he is uh, pulling the strings on what's happening in some aspects of Canadian politics. So uh, we'll talk about this in a bit more detail, but I just wanted to set the stage for you that this was the backdrop against which Pierre Polyev and I sat down 
on Friday for our interview. And today, Monday, Parliament gets back in session. The House of Commons is there. And Justin Trudeau is a no-show. Justin Trudeau not there in question period, so not there to answer this question from Mr. Polyev. For 10 years, the communist dictatorship in Beijing has been helping the prime minister. Will he finally allow a public and truly independent investigation of it? Thank you. We take the issue of foreign interference in Canada's electoral system and any foreign interference very seriously. Mr. Speaker, that's why when we formed government, we took a number of unprecedented steps that did not exist when my friend was a minister in the previous government. We created the National Security and Intelligence Committee of Parliamentarians, precisely so. Parliamentarians from all political parties could have access to classified information and publish reports for Canadians. We set up an independent panel of senior public servants, Mr. Speaker, to follow exactly the issue of foreign interference in the elections, and we'll continue to do more. Oh, yes, the Liberals take it oh so seriously. So seriously, in fact, that uh, Justin Trudeau was uh, not particularly interested in showing up and answering to that. Now, we'll see what the announcement is that comes down the pipeline at 5.15. But without further ado, let me share with you my sit-down with Conservative leader Pierre Polyev from Friday. tuned in to the Andrew Lawton show. Good to see you in London this time. Great to be here. Your campaign has often talked about the idea of everything being broken and I know this has become a point of contention with the, the liberals who are are in denial about this point, but uh, fundamentally we're seeing a breakdown of many sectors, many institutions of trust in institutions. How much can government, a, a Pierre Polyev government fix that? Well, government is the thing that's breaking it yeah, well, exactly. in the first place. It's you know, the old saying, government is not the solution. Government is the problem. It, it is eight years of Trudeau that has given us 40-year highs in inflation. Why do we have that? Well, because they printed a half trillion dollars. More money chasing fewer goods always equals higher prices. This is a mathematical relationship that goes back thousands of years. It was utterly predictable. Uh, I predicted it because it was obvious, uh, and that's why... Um, seniors can't afford food, moms can't feed their kids, uh, and nine out of ten young people who don't own a home believe they never will. The, all that easy cash bid up the cost of housing and everything else. So um, we need to reverse those inflationary policies, cap spending, fire the high-priced consultants, defund the CBC, uh, cut the waste so that we can get rid of the inflationary deficits that are driving up inflation in the first place. We should also get rid of the carbon tax to bring down fuel, uh, heat, and um, grocery prices. Uh, and then instead of creating all this cash, we got to start creating more what cash buys. We need to build more homes, uh, get the government gatekeepers out of the way. I'm going to get a lot tougher, frankly, with incompetent um, left-wing city, big city mayors who block housing construction and therefore shut working class immigrants and youth out of housing. Very good for the privileged elites living in late leafy neighborhoods, the woke wonderland where they sit around reading the New Yorker magazine in their overpriced house but not great for the working class kid who can't afford a home. So I'm going to tie federal infrastructure money to the number of houses that big cities allow to be completed. And I'm going to require that there be high density housing around every federally funded transit station. I'm going to sell off 15% of federal buildings, turn that into housing so that people can actually get into a house. I actually believe the single biggest cause of social breakdown right now is the fact that young people can't afford homes because it totally screws up their entire psychology. They lose a sense of self-agency. 
if they can't own a place of their own, they can't start a family, they can't have kids, they can't even date, they can't uh, build up credit history collateral or savings for the future. So we need to knock down the barriers to housing construction, build millions of new homes, and then cut income taxes so people's paychecks can afford more mortgage payment uh, and more house. Uh, and that's what a poly of government's going to do. Do you think there's a, a cultural problem of, of people wanting to live in the very cities that they can't afford to live in? Do you think something is perhaps missing where people should be going to different parts of the country? We should be uh, putting government offices in more remote parts of the country, places where it is more affordable to live? Well, look, I'm, I'm not against any of that. I think rural living is great and it's fantastic. And I think people who want it should have that chance. But ironically, the federal government is attacking rural living as well. Their, their carbon tax is particularly hard on rural folks because they have to heat more space and travel longer distances. And electric cars and bicycles are not an option if you're living in Labrador uh, or uh, you know, in, uh, around uh, peace country, Alberta, for example. So they're attacking the cost of living of the rural person, and now they're making cities unaffordable. So I don't know where people are supposed to be expected to live. Um, the bottom line is we need to get rid of all these taxes and all the red tape that's driving up the cost of living because it should be easy and cheap to live in housing in Canada. You know, eight years ago, the average house price was $450,000. Now it's almost double that. The average mortgage payment was 1400 bucks. Now it's 3200 The average rent was 950 bucks. Now it's over 2000 They've doubled the cost of housing by printing cash and blocking construction, knock down the gatekeepers, build more houses, print less money. You have existing homeowners that are being completely squeezed out of being able to afford their own mortgage payments, people that will have to renew their mortgages in the next couple of years that have no idea what that interest rate is going to look like. And obviously getting into the housing market is the greatest challenge, but there are a lot of existing homeowners right now that in three, four years could be an incredibly precarious situation. What's your prediction and what's your way out of that? Well, you're absolutely right. And we're already seeing it. Uh, just yesterday, CIBC said one in five of yeah. its mortgage holders are actually seeing their mortgage grow. So normally you say, you, you're, I'm paying down my yeah, mortgage. Yeah, you get that statement and yes, shows you a little, little bit more every, every year. Well, but now people are paying their mortgages, but the overall principle is rising because interest rates on their variable rate mortgage uh, have gone up and therefore their mortgages. So when they go to renew, their payments are going to explode. I think the, danger, the, the real cliff is coming in 2025, 2026. Why? Because it was in 2020 and 2021 that people bought the massively overpriced houses with the huge mortgages. And if they locked in for five years, well, they'll be up for renewal in 2025, 2026. So I'm very, I mean, I will be prime minister at the time. I'm gonna to have to deal with this major cliff that uh, Trudeau and the, the Bank of Canada have sent our uh, homeowners towards. And I think the only way to, to deal with it is to try and get spending under control now so that we bring down inflation and interest rates before those people have to renew. Despite the vote uh, across party lines largely in favor of an inquiry into China's interference in Canada's elections, Justin Trudeau has come out and, and basically written off the idea of, of having an inquiry. Now, I, I don't yeah. want to put too much stock in a, an inquiry as being the best venue for accountability, but uh, simply put, what do you think is the best way to get to the bottom of this? Well, multiple ways. We do need a, a public inquiry uh, that can requisition documents, force testimony under sworn, uh, under oath. Um, but we also need Parliament to continue its examination because what I don't want to see is for the, the Liberals to create a, an inquiry that shuts down the, the debate, 
doesn't start for four months, is largely done in secret, and doesn't report until after the next federal election, which could face interference again. So we need simultaneously to do our uh, in investigation in the parliamentary committee. We need to know what Justin Trudeau and his top staff knew. There's reports that the CSIS was briefing them about uh, the, the way in which Beijing was, was supporting Justin Trudeau and giving money to his foundation uh, over the course of a decade. We need, to, we need confirmation that he knew that. And we also need to know what he was aware of and what the Liberal Party was aware of in the two elections where Beijing interfered. The media reports we've seen about CSIS's findings show that in the 2019 election, there were 11 candidates that were the beneficiaries of, of Beijing's uh, attempts at influence. And two of those were Conservatives. Nine of them were Liberal. Do you think those candidates should be publicly named? Yes, I do. Um, now, I'll be, fair, I'll be fair to them, even though they're mostly Liberals and not in my party. Um, if they did not know... Uh, and there was somebody inserted in their campaign without their knowledge, that's one thing. If they knew and willingly collaborated with a hostile foreign government, that's another. And I'd say right here, right now, I think that CISA should let us know, all parties know, if anyone in our party, any party, is willingly collaborating with Beijing, if there is anyone like that ever discovered in my party, I'll throw them out. Do you know or suspect who those two conservatives were in 2019? No, I do not. And if they were to, you were to find out as candidates again, what would the approach you'd take be? Well, I have to find out if they knew, because what, what, what the reports that we've seen in the media so far are not clear on whether the, the 11 candidates were aware of the involvement. It could have been um, uh, undercover involvement. And if it, but if they did know, then obviously they'd have to be removed from the party. What, what's your take on, on where the Liberals, if I can just be frank, weakness on this issue is, is coming from? Do you think it is that they're just trying to avoid any level of scrutiny that could blow back on them? Or do you, or do you think there is genuinely a soft spot for China from this government? Well, I think it, <laughs> the soft spot is in their, is in their wallets. Uh, liberal, corporate liberals have been making grand fortunes doing business with uh, Beijing and the government there for many years. It's no secret that Liberal Inc. loves to do business with the, the communist regime. And so uh, they have deep ties and they fostered those ties into what appears to be a political advantage. Uh, now the question is whether or not the Liberal Party knew, uh, and if so, what it did about uh, Beijing's interference in two consecutive elections. Uh, and uh, we don't know the answer. I'm not going to lay down an allegation until we know for sure. But so far, Justin Trudeau does not seem to be one to telling the truth, um, and uh, that's not a good sign. Uh, you denounced uh, German MEP Christine Anderson as, quote, hateful and, and racist when she was touring Canada and had met with a, a couple of Conservative MPs. What are the views that you ascribe to her that are hateful and racist, to use your well, terms? I mean, she, she attacked uh, Muslims. She said that Islam is a, a misogynist um, religion uh, and that she didn't actually, she said it wasn't a religion at all. Well, there are over a million Muslims in Canada. I don't believe that. Uh, that that's true. And I, if, if someone had said that about Christianity, well, we'd all be up in arms. Uh, and so uh, I disagree with the comments that she's made. Uh, and uh, I said so. What would your message be to the people who are supporters of yours that went out and saw her speak and felt like you were making a, a swipe at them, perhaps? Well, I wasn't making a swipe at them. I'm uh, simply speaking directly and clearly the same way I condemn Justin Trudeau for his racist blackface and for his uh, nasty comments that he's directed at minorities, including the unvaccinated. 
Uh, I, uh, the same way I denounced Maxime uh, uh, Bernier for attending the World Economic Forum. Uh, I, think, I think Maxime really has to come clean on why he attended the World Economic Forum, why he was involved in that, why he proposed free trade with communist China, why he said that he admires the, uh, the freedoms that exist in communist China. And I, I would denounce him for making those comments as well. And just lastly, since we're in London, anything you're looking forward to seeing here? The people, the hardworking people here in London, the folks who do the work, who build this country, uh, you know, I, wanna, I want them to bring home more of what they earn, more of each dollar they earn. And uh, I want this to be a country that works for the people who work. And that's what we're going to bring home when I'm Prime Minister. Pierre Polyev, thank All right, you. thank you. You're tuned in to The Andrew Lawton Show. That was Conservative leader Pierre Polyev sitting down with yours truly in London, Ontario. It's always good. Usually I have to travel for interviews. In this particular case, he came to, uh, well, not to me. I mean, I had to go to the, the venue in the snowstorm, but I'm not playing the martyr card. Uh, we sat down, as you heard there, it's kind of a, a bit of a marathon when you have to uh, condense so much into a 10-minute period. I would have loved to have spent uh, two, three, four times as long on each of the topics that came up. And just on the note of the Christine Anderson uh, thing, which I, I think thought was important to ask about again it is smaller in many ways than the china issue smaller than some of the big issues but i, I thought it was important and uh, you can decide for yourself whether you agree with his answer i wasn't going to get into a debate with him or an argument my position was you say she's hateful and racist name what it is that leads you to that conclusion he says her comments on Islam. I, I would refer you if you want to know more of my own thoughts on how the Conservatives handled the Christine Anderson thing to listen to my show on Wednesday of last week. And I don't really have much more to add to that except to say that I do believe they... I, I do believe they overplayed and oversimplified. And a lot of people, I mean, I'm even looking at uh, just peripherally the comments on this show right now. A lot of people are not impressed by that. So uh, you can take it from Pierre Polyev for all those who said, oh, that's not what he actually said. No, he put out the statement. He stands by it. And now you hear his rationale for that conclusion. Now, uh, I always, whenever I interview Maxime Bernier, I get criticized by conservative supporters for shilling for the PPC. When I interview Pierre Polyev, I get accused by PPC supporters of shilling for the C. And I guess if I'm the enemy of both, it means that I'm really the ally of both, or so I'm going to uh, proclaim. But I do have to point out, there's been this like bizarre bit of misinformation circulating online yesterday about uh, Anna Polyev, Pierre Polyev's uh, wife, and the rumor, well, not even a rumor, and I guess the conspiracy theory is that she was the CEO of Switch Health, which is this uh, company that came out of nowhere, started making a fortune off of COVID testing, and somehow had the contracts for CBSA and the contracts for the airports, and uh, was doing all of this stuff out of nowhere, despite having no record of doing anything in the health space, despite not really being a company. Uh, and the th conspiracy theory that was circulating online, uh, Chris Sky was uh, the one that I think amplified it was based on the fact that Anna Polyev was apparently for a bit in 2020 the CEO of this company. Complete nonsense. Literally never happened. The screenshot circulating of articles about this do not exist. They never existed. Uh, this is an entire mythology 
that to me is just so bizarre because if you want to criticize uh, Pierre Polyev, there are lots of things you can criticize him on like anyone else. You don't need to make stuff up. And that goes to criticizing Justin Trudeau, criticizing Maxime Bernier, Jagmeet Singh. All of these people are politicians who give us enough reasons to turn on them. We don't need to manufacture them. Now, let's talk a little bit about China here. So it's about... 50 minutes from when Justin Trudeau is going to be speaking. We don't yet know what he is going to be speaking about. This is what he said on Friday in response to the call from a House of Commons committee for a public inquiry into China's interference. Yes, I very much share the concerns uh, of Canadians around interference from, uh, from uh, the Chinese governments or other foreign governments. And I have shared those concerns all the way back to 2015 when we got elected and realized that even as we were seeing increased election interference around the world in places like France or the United States or elsewhere, democracies subject to foreign interference, we knew that we had to create mechanisms to respond to that because Canada had very few, if any, mechanisms to counter interference in our democracies when we took office. That's why we created, and I'm not going to go through the list again, so many different mechanisms designed to do it. We actually even led at the G7 when we hosted in Charlevoix in 2018 the creation of a rapid response mechanism shared by the G7 on foreign interference in our democracies. So not only do I share uh, the preoccupations of Canadians, we have taken action, significant actions, over the past eight years uh, to increase our ability to do that. But it is an ongoing challenge, not just in politics, in business, in academia and research, and that is why we continue to strengthen our capacity to respond to that, because Canadians need to know that our institutions hold and Canadians uh, need to be reassured that they will continue to hold uh, into the future. Uh, waiter, I'll have the word salad, please, with uh, extra nonsense dressing on top. I got to be honest, I have no idea what he even said there, except for the fact that he was not endorsing the idea of a an inquiry into China, even if uh, he had the rare support of a cross-party coalition of uh, conservatives, New Democrats, and Bloc Québécois on the committee. So uh, we'll see what he announces. Again, he'll probably try to do this weird face-saving thing. I, I want to talk about Canada's updated guidance on boosters, but I I'm seeing a couple of angry comments about uh, my comments a few moments ago about uh, Anna Polyev that I, I have to respond to here. And I, I take very seriously facts, and I take very seriously truth. And the comment that I made, which I stand by, is that there is zero evidence supporting this spurious uh, rumor. Not spurious is the bad uh, word to use. This just blatantly false rumor that was circulating online yesterday that Anna Polyev was a CEO of Switch Health. Now, uh, for starters, it's very difficult to conceal being the CEO of a company, uh, certainly one like Switch Health, which was the subject of so much interest. Uh, and that is something that people would have heard of. But uh, let's get more specific because Brenda... Uh, Brenda McKenzie says, wow, what evidence do you have about uh, Anida, or are we supposed to just believe you? Well, let me turn it around on you, Brenda. What evidence do you have to support the claim 
that she is doing that? What evidence do you have to support this thing? I went through when I saw this screenshot circulating that ostensibly showed a record of news stories saying this about Ms. Polyev. I went through and I checked every single one of them out and none of them existed. And then I went through a series of other tests that I use in investigations where you determined that the links never existed. They have never existed in the history of the internet. Not to mention no other record of this woman ever being the CEO of a company called Switch Health or anything similar. She was working as an assistant in a member of parliament's office during the time she was supposedly profiting on COVID tests. Again, I, I don't know Anna Polyev. I believe she follows me on Twitter and I follow her on Twitter, but I, I've never actually spoken to her or met her to my knowledge. I just believe that truth is very important here. And it's utterly irresponsible for people to make very easily debunked claims, whether it was the one about uh, Paul Rouleau being related to Justin Trudeau, which wasn't true, whether it's this thing about Anna Polyev being uh, the former CEO of Switch Health. You don't need to make stuff up in this day and age because the reality of what we're living through right now is bad enough. You don't need to concoct anything. Now, all of that is to say that there are real issues right now that we are facing, and one of which is the permanence of COVID stand, the permanence of the COVID era. Even though we have abandoned officially most of the big mandates, we also at the same time have seen just little remnants of COVID remain. And in some cases, we sort of forget that it's still there, always below the surface. Well, one interesting development that came out on Friday, always interesting when a government report comes out on a Friday is the summary of National Advisory Commission, or sorry, summary of National Advisory Committee on Immunization. This is NACI statement of March 3rd. Now, NACI, which is the uh, advisory committee, as the name suggests, on vaccines, has updated its guidance about boosters. And they say right here in the overview on uh, what is it, page three of the report. NACI now recommends that starting in spring of 2023, an additional booster dose may be offered six or more months from the last COVID vaccine dose or infection to the following individuals who are at increased risk of severe illness from COVID-19. Adults 80 years of age or older, adults 65 to 79 years of age, particularly if they do not have a known history of COVID infection, adult residents of congregate living settings or seniors or those with complex medical care needs, and adults 18 years of age or older who are moderately to severely immunocompromised due to an underlying condition or treatment. So, this means that they have actually abandoned their recommendation that everyone gets boosted. They are no longer recommending a booster for healthy adults under the age of 65 years old. So you look at this and you wonder, is the government doing what governments all around the world are starting to do? You see in Scandinavia, Norway, Sweden, they've gradually uh, pushed this back where, oh, no one needs to get the vaccine under 40. No one needs it under 50. No one needs it under 65. And this is actually quite important to see. Now, in Canada, we're not quite there just yet. If you look at the fine print, yes, the government is saying that they don't think spring boosters are important for most healthy adults. 
But they also say this, that if you haven't previous, if you haven't received previously recommended doses, including a primary series or a fall 2022 booster dose, you're recommended to receive one now. Now, if you get your fall 2022 booster dose in the spring of 2023, I don't know if it's still the fall 2022 uh, booster dose or if it's now the spring 2023 booster dose, which they are recommending you don't get. So uh, a little bit confused about the timing there. Part of the confusion is that they came out with the new super modified Omicron bivalent booster, which nobody wanted. They rolled it out, they made it available, and uptake was particularly low. So now the government is saying, though, and again, I, I don't want to overstate what's happening here because they acknowledge in this report that they may still recommend widespread booster consumption in the fall of 2023. So they're not saying we're done, it's no longer necessary. But if the booster itself is the same, it's noteworthy when the government is saying, yeah, you know what, perhaps if you're under 65, especially if you're under 80, you don't need this thing. So why would they be doing that? Because previously they've been telling us to just take these things like candy. At first it was get your two doses, then get a third. Then I mean, in France, they were saying get one every three months. In Canada, they were saying you've got to be up to date with your vaccination. Remember, Duclos, the health minister federally, at one point was talking about making up-to-date vaccination a requirement of air travel. So it wasn't enough to just have your two doses in 2021 if you wanted to board an Air Canada flight that you know would be delayed 17 times before you got to uh, Cancun or something. No, he was saying that you were possibly going to need to, if the government went through with it, be up-to-date with your vaccination, as though COVID vaccination would become a permanent feature of your life where the carousel of boosters just keeps coming and coming and coming. Now, the government backed off of that, although never admitted wrong. They never admitted that perhaps there are some demographics where the harms of COVID vaccination outweigh the benefits of it. And that's been a concession that has been made elsewhere in the world, although not with a great deal of frequency. And all of the people that have talked about the risks that do come along in some cases with COVID vaccination are effectively silenced. You know, my friend who I've had on this show before and should have back on, Mark Stein, just today received a finding by the British equivalent of the CRTC called Ofcom that he was in contravention of their content, their on-air policies, because when he was hosting a show uh, formerly on GB News, he had a, a discussion and he looked at some of the official data and pulled out some information about uh, boosters. And they said that uh, it was in violation of their policy on, uh, was, it was not misinformation, but it was on harm. So he potentially harmed the audience by not having an alternative perspective to him taking a skeptical view of the boosters. And I mean, the position that I take on this, and I'm, you know, a, a relative nobody in the United Kingdom, but my position I take on this is that he was the opposing perspective, is that we've only had the official narratives for the last three years. So when someone gets on TV and starts challenging that, why do they need to then entertain the very official narrative that they're shredding apart? We're in the midst right now of the great walk back. People that pushed these horrendous policies over the last few years are just quietly backing off and hoping we forget about it, hoping we forget about the segregation, hoping we forget about the divisiveness, hoping we forget about how they denied people the fundamental right to visit their family, to get on a plane, to cross the border. People forget. They just want us to forget to move on from that. The calls for pandemic amnesty and the like.
And there are a lot of people in this country who understandably are not willing to just move on. They are not willing to forget. But it's why I'm particularly note, I take note when the government does what this nasty report is doing, which is just sort of backing off that, yeah, you know, maybe you just don't need your booster every six months until the end of time. Maybe you can skip this one. And I suspect in the fall, they'll just conveniently forget to update this report and we will never have the full recognition that they got it wrong. We've got to end things there. My thanks to all of you for tuning into the show. If you want to keep the discussion going in the comments, please do. We'll have more of Canada's Most Irreverent Talk Show on Wednesday. Thank you, God bless, and good day to you all. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.